Welcome to the Hunter's Hub. This is your host, Fortuan, uh, joined by co-host, Haru. And the longest incoming episode of Hunter's Hub. Right, yeah, we've had a lot of technical issues lately. Um, but hopefully, we have that fixed and you guys will actually hear this conversation. So Who yeah. knows? It's a mystery. Uh, <laughs> like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. And, Bad uh, segue. You know, just we wanted Bad. to say thanks to Wolf and Melon for the opening theme. Yes, very much so. Appreciate it every um, time. <clears throat> yeah. So. Yep. She. I'm glad for her uh, new opportunity in Germany. I don't know if you saw that, but she's going to be teaching in Germany now. So. That's great. Sounds like she's she's pretty happy about it. So that's awesome. Um, but. Uh, Anyways, we're going to be talking mostly about what we've been playing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield reveal um, towards the end of this. Um, and yeah, I won't I won't say anything about it. I'll save it till then. But yeah, we're going to be talking about that. Um, so, <clears throat> Haru, what have you been playing this week? Oh, well, I actually uh, I started and played through the second episode of Life is Strange 2, uh, and I had mm-hmm. previously played through the first one, and it's a lot different from the first game in, in some interesting ways. Because I think the biggest okay. thing is, whereas the first game was you're set in Arcadia Bay, and you kind of have a school and a revolving cast of characters that you see, um, the second game is you're on a road trip, and you're also homeless. So I guess every day is a road trip. But anyway, um, <laughs> every day is a road trip when your home is your car. You just kind of encounter people, and then you have to leave them, which is you know I suppose how uh-huh. life works. But in the, in the in the game, it is a lot different because just the premise of the game, uh, like let's say twenty minutes into the game. Uh, your brother is like you're in like West Seattle, I think, and you, okay. your which is sort of like a more suburban area of Seattle for anyone who's not familiar. I've I've been there once. Oh, cool. Well, uh, your dad gets shot in West Seattle, <laughs> <laughs> which may not have been All the right. experience you had. Um, and. You know, you would set up a, like a high school life, and like you were trying to go to a party, and like at eleven or a character your character was interested in romantically, and then it just sort of cuts for like days or a week, and then you're on some highway uh, headed south to Mexico to escape because you're wanted for uh, you know a death of a police officer in a mysterious semi magical incident because. There's also a lot of themes of race in this game, because uh, mm-hmm. you like that you play as two, you play as the older sibling of uh, two uh, American Latino brothers. Mm-hmm. And okay, yeah, I, I just I'm not sure how to feel about the game yet because I, each episode so far has been totally different in in, in focus and what. Uh, what's kind of happening. Right. So it's not a continuous story per se. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it's a continuous story where like every game, there's five episodes of original life is strange, right? And it was just five days of a week. But mm-hmm. in this, you can just like cut a week ahead and t- at just, uh, random times. Wow. That's a lot to process. And <laughs> like the whole game is taking place in one day. Whew. Yeah, one week. Um, right. Yeah, so so you'll so the first episode you're basically just heading down south to Oregon, and at the end of it, you don't discover till the end of it through some plot contrivance that there's a big magical explosion. Your brother has telekinesis. Um, <laughs> okay. Which which again may leave the first episode feeling kind of odd. Um, they wanted to focus on like survival elements and like sort of give, I guess, events space to breathe. Uh, 
but in the second episode, it's it's survival is much less of a concern. Like you basically immediately you, you cut to your character just found a cabin in the woods, stocked with food. Um, okay. And you're like training superpowers. <laughs> I always forget that like, superpowers are involved in Life is Strange. <laughs> <laughs> Because it always seems like, just from cutscenes and stuff, it always seems so, like, like this is melodramatic teenage life. Like, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, they use the secret identity gimmick to, uh, you know, a good use, which is you maintain, like, a veneer of normalcy, so you still have these people interacting in natural ways, but, like, your character knows they have powers and they can, and they can act with them. Okay. In this in this game, there's like you have the little kid who has powers, and there's two of you. You're always talking about it, so it's more mm-hmm. out in the open uh, because you know, kind of hard for a nine year old to be uh, super stealthy with floating stuff. Right. Huh. Just one okay. one main thing I wanted to mention, which is that I really mm-hmm. love the performance uh, for Lila, who's like your uh, best friend in Seattle. Okay. And she's there at the start of the first episode, and she's there at the end of the first episode when you when you have to like destroy your phone so people can't the, the police can't follow you. Mm-hmm. And then she's there at one point in the second episode. And you can like, because you you start staying at your spoilers. You start staying at your grandparents' house, and like they don't want you to use the internet or contact people via phone but okay. you, you can choose to just follow no rules and, and call your friend and let her know, her know that you're okay it's like this really rot emotionally rot call um, and I got to the end of the episode like after breaking um, and starting playing again and I saw on the choices screen it's like you did not choose to call Lila like, what? Because <laughs> I, what I had done is I had called her, I turned off the game, assuming it auto-saved, because uh, there's no manual save in the game. Oh. And then when I turned it back on, I went back to the phone, and there was no icon, so I assumed, oh yeah, I'd auto-saved that, because there's no option anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was just a weird bug, and now I have to play through the game again before the next episode comes out. <sighs> okay. So that's well. That's my main criticism, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of a problem. Like I, yeah, got like I my experience with playing that uh, is playing the Telltale Batman game I mentioned, and like I can't imagine what it'd be like if like if I picked something and it was like, no, you didn't pick that. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> jerks okay um well as for me uh i wanted to talk a little bit more about shadow of mordor today um i've been talking about this past couple episodes because i've been playing it um i actually finished the game i am not going to do the dlc i am just not interested in playing the two characters um that they want you to play with these dlcs so like you have to play like some elf assassin um, who, like, I mean, I'm going to get into spoilers here, so the elf assassin herself is not really a spoiler, but, um, spoilers is in, like, Celebrimbor leaves you at one stage of the game, like, the, the ghost elf, and pairs up with elf assassin chick instead of you, and sort of leaves you to die. <laughs> um, uh... That <laughs> that didn't sit well with me, so I have no desire to go go play as that character. And then also, um, uh, you can play as this human dude. His name starts with a B, and I can't remember. But uh, he's he's throughout the story. He's a captain of uh, Minas Morgul uh, before it gets taken over. And uh, yeah, he's <laughs> he doesn't have any sort of like death mechanic like you do in the rest of the game like if you die it's just over and, and I'm like I die enough in the game oh is he a ring wraith 
no, he's just a human. Just a human. You don't, like, you you can fight, like, uh, I don't remember his name. Like, it's not Boromir, obviously. It's something like that. And, oh, gosh. It's, it's so, um, it's so something I don't want to do, which is basically, hey, let's play hardcore uh, Shadow right. Like, no. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, back to the main game, I did finish it. Um, this reminded me... It had uh, a couple fake-out endings, uh, I would say. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but I did get to the part where Bruise, your first captain, betrays you. Um, so there's a good portion of the game of you trying to hunt him down and kill him. Um... Um, it's, but it's not, it becomes less of the main story and sort of like a, a, a pretty decent and well thought out side quest actually. Um, um, but then like the main story, it gets kind of weird because I thought I was done. Like I had captured every area and then I get to the end and like, uh, that betrayal happens. Like we're actually going to go attack Sauron and it's like, um, like when you click on the quest, it says there is no point, there is no return once you do this. So I was like, okay, let me make sure I do everything before I do this. And then I did, and it's actually not the end of the game. Um, because and it sounds like it would be because Celebrimbor leaves you and takes the ring and puts it on whatever her name is, the Lady Elf Assassin. Um, that. <laughs> So he leaves you for dead because if you don't have the ring and you in Celebrimbor isn't inhabiting your body, you bleed out. It's like a like a thing because like basically Celebrimbor is keeping your body alive. Right. Um, that was the lore in the first game. Yeah, yeah. So like he leaves you, and then Shelob, Lady Shelob, hot spider chick for some reason. Um, She's been at odds with Celebrimbor this whole time, like trying to teach. Um, oh my goodness, I can't remember the main guy's name. Talion. There you go, Talion. That you know, hey, maybe you shouldn't trust Celebrimbor as much. And Celebrimbor is like, she's a freaking spider. Don't listen to her. <laughs> like, like they, they kind of argue over Talion. So ends up, Shelob was kind of right that like. That Celebrimbor was so focused on gaining power that, it, that eventually his own ring ended up kind of corrupting him, uh, which is what you kind of see with him just being like, "Nope, there's a better vessel in this elf, so we're going to do that." So, um, um, technically, he, actually, in the lore, uh, the father or parent of Shelob is actually like some, I'm going to say, Darkness Meyer. Meyer, Meyer, um, which is like a sort of like Gandalf, like a semi-ascendant, like angel-like mm -hmm. or like Balrog-like power. Uh, oh yeah. So I guess I could. Yeah. I. <laughs> I I don't know. All I know is you you die. Because Celebrimbor lived, you actually you actually got done slaying or killing or banishing one of the ring wraiths, and you steal his ring. Ooh. And then you become a ring wraith. And I went immediately from, "Oh come on, this game is taking forever." To like, "Wait, I'm a ring wraith now. This is amazing." Um, which brings you into the third act of the game, where you're defending all the territories that you captured. Um, it's like, hey, this base is under attack. Here's a mission to go defend it. Um, and I actually failed on one of the defenses, so you have to basically recapture the area. But, like, that's it. There's, like, three phases of defending different areas, and that's the end of the game. So, I mean, <laughs> is it... Is it, a, like, I really like games that, like, reboot, like, halfway through, and they the plot... It's not a reboot, which is confusing to me. Yeah, just because like, the ring like narratively they can take the story in new ways. Right, right. It, it's kind of like it, it's definitely different. Talion gets whoa, way darker, um, and he, you know, like you have like those crazy. 
uh, crazy, like, I don't know, like, goth-looking, like, eye-bleeding mascara look. <laughs> like, what? what? He looks so, like, weird. But, like, you eventually start getting a bunch of capes, because the capes is one of the things you can wear. And the different capes make you look like the different, like, ringwraith lords with, like, their, like, full face masks and stuff and the armor, kind of like oh, the Witch that's King. Cool. So I was like, this is cool. Um, but, the, like, the but whole... Then, latter chapter of the game does it feel like one of those game resets that that like has something new to offer and like it's introducing new things and not only narratively but gameplay wise or does it feel like they're just making you play through the same content again kind of the same content again but they change it up just slightly right so you still control all the armies that you conquered which I thought what they were going to do. I thought they were just going to pull out the rug out from underneath you and you just you own nobody because it was all under Celebrimbor's control. Um, but it kind of plays into the narrative bit because all Celebrimbor Brim- cares about is the power. He doesn't care about controlling them. He cares about the power to face Sauron. Oh, and, and another thing is you actually fight Sauron as the Lady Elf and Celebrimbor. Like, I thought there was, like, oh, this has to be the end of the game. Like, we just leave Talion for dead. We go fight Sauron. Um, which you win, but you don't. It's one of those things. It's like, haha, you won, but cutscene, you don't. Like, uh, yeah. So it's supposed to lose fight. Right. Um, so then you get to just sort of like, hey, you get this thing where Kel- uh Italian becomes the ring, one of the ringwraiths, and you know they've been teasing us the whole time. It's your destiny to become a ringwraith, and he's like, uh, and he's like, no, I'm never going to be a ringwraith, and then he ends up having to do it to survive. But then he sort of breaks the will of the ring ringwraiths, and he's sort of like a free agent ringwraith. Which, if that makes sense, I, I know it's it's kind of a convoluted thing. Of course, this stuff is all technically non-canon. So he was able um, to resist actually, the strength of the ring in lower terms right so he actually is able to resist the call of sauron wearing one of the rings um and it's it's interesting but again like totally not in lord of the rings lore whatsoever um well i mean there always is that struggle between like uh succumbing to power and uh and like having retaining agency when you're using the power like judiciously in the books but right at least in the movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, there is, uh, there is, like I said, there is a couple actual gameplay differences uh, and narrative differences in that final act because uh, you do have to, uh, on the lead up to it, you do have to kill a bunch of the ringwraiths or get the, get rid of them. And you end up learning the backstory of each of the human kings. Uh, oh, that's that really cool. Or a majority of them. So yeah, that was uh, that was that was that was cool. So you got to learn about some people in the lore that you normally wouldn't have, which is canon. Uh, I do believe like those kings and what happened to them is canon. Like it, like in um, something like Seildor. in something like the movies, they're just like uh, you know dark cloaks basically. Yeah, they're big. Like oh, these were old age old kings. Like that's all they say is pretty pretty much. They've, they don't even go into the backstory of them in the books. Um, that, that I listened to, uh, unabridged version. Um, but, uh, so you get, you get the backstory on all the ring race, then you kind of like become one, but then you're like, nah, I'm not, you know, I'm not for that. I have one purpose and one purpose only is to kill Sauron and I'm going to use this power to do it. So the, the, uh, the crazy thing is like, you don't, really change the gameplay hardly at all you still have your army you just have to defend it like i said like you'll get attacked by sauron's armies um and they're actually pretty cool fights uh the base sieges um it's it's kind of nice to 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 be defending the base versus taking it over um because you get to do a lot of cool stuff and like like it actually feels like a big battle but one of the things they change is you no longer have some of the abilities you used to that celebrimbor give you gave you you have most of them but like the other ones are like that used to be able to do this like uh i don't know like some sort of slam and hit the ground and like hit things away from you and stun them 
They replace that with a raise the dead. So you actually raise the dead orcs to fight for your side as zombies. Um, it was like some crazy changes. And they, they give you a couple quests to sort of get used to that mechanic. Um, it's just like, holy cow. Like this this is a bit, uh, it ends up being a bit different. But you still have like the the shadow shots and like everything that Celebrimbor gave you before. It's just there's a couple slight changes to the gameplay. Right. And then honestly, like I don't remember the final fight. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> and like it's only been a couple weeks, but it's like it was. I don't think it was very tough. I think the, the toughest fights I've ever had were. Actually, no, I do remember the final fight. It was me defending my last kingdom that I needed to defend. There was no boss. It was just. Hey, I did the defense event, and then the game went to an ending cutscene. I mean, yeah, the first game had, I want to say, two bosses, because they were like the hands of Sauron or whatever. But it wasn't, um, there's like a third, like, lore, uh, like, story, uh, boss, and he was like the main guy, and you just mm-hmm. killed him in a, in a QTE. Yeah, essentially, yeah. They don't even do that. But like the 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 crowd fighting combat in these games is always more robust than like the one on one, I think. True. Oh, dude. I I talked about this before, but like every time you fight I, I keep getting their names wrong. The big ogre ones are called Ologs. And when you fight an Olog captain that has a bunch of abilities, it's just annoying because you can't counter an Olog. You can't. You either have to do the dodge or you have to do um, a, a, a circle, which is like the whatever force push choke thing uh, at certain QTEs instead of countering, which countering is like, I don't know, a good portion of that game. So uh, O-Logs take so much more time. And like I, one of the, the base I had to take back that I lost was against another like insanely good O-Log. Oh, and he summoned Karagors. He would just blow a horn and he would summon Karagors. Which, I mean, isn't that bad, but it's just annoying enough. It's like, why I do I always have to fight off like a billion things and fight this Olog? Can you, like, can you like, uh, like roll up on him with a, like a dragon or a Balrog? Oh no, you can't because you're stuck in the throne room. You're inside of the fort. So it's like a, a, oh, a set like mission, arena. Yeah. yeah, the last mission to take back a keep or something. And it's just it's just annoying. It's just super annoying. <laughs> but yeah, I finished that. <laughs> um, so what else have you been doing this week? Or the past couple of weeks? Well, <laughs> I actually got the chance to uh, <laughs> to be a dungeon master for the first time. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the DM in one of my games was out, so last time someone else had offered a one-shot, you know, just to keep us busy. Mm-hmm. And this time, I I offered to at the time slot, and I was like, oh yeah, this will be great. And then, like, two hours of preparation later, I was like, I don't have enough time! Uh, I don't know what I'm doing! <laughs> so we went, uh, we went two hours late, and, you know, one of our players... Uh, it was, they were East Coast, too, it was too late for them, and another player that could make it, because they had had some prior commitment earlier in the day. But yeah, um, I think I did alright from a storytelling perspective. Uh, just That's good. Yeah, just combat-wise, I think... I, I mean, I know, I, I know combat was way too easy for this group, because the rogue was constantly, constantly rolling 25-ish on stealth like every turn and then do- dealing 50 damage sneak attacks <laughs> so yeah it's kind of hard oh to deal boy. with that yeah that, that's a big problem as a DM like especially in 5th edition it's like it's it's very it's very in favor of the players as far as like numbers go which is fine, right? You don't want to just kill your players and make the fights drag on forever. Um, which is, you know, a, a challenge I had recently. I had a session that was just one big fight. 
So you kind of have to come up with ways to shorten it, but make it challenging at the same time. Um, so it's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy feat to do. And I think, uh, you know, even veteran DMs, uh, have, have troubles at times, you know, sort of working out the balance of character, uh, not character, but, uh, encounter design, I would say. I, um, I followed the, like, Dungeon Master's Guide, where it tells you how to calculate the, like, experience thresholds for people, and I, I, I took, like, I I got them, like, normal difficulty, high normal difficulty, I think, Uh uh-huh, but, yeah, that was not nearly enough, because I was just using, like, humans, and I should have been using, like, all veterans, because I was using one veteran as the captain, and the, or, what, all gladiators, and then everyone else was veterans, which is the lower tier. Oh. Okay. Um, all right. I think if I used well, all I mean, gladiators, sure you'll get the hang of it, it would have been completely fine. Because <laughs> they were doing so well. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I always try to... I always try to tweak things on... Because I, I, I like to do a lot of monster fights. And purple worms, when... Um, when they travel, they're not supposed to create rough terrain and knock things over and that kind of stuff. It's just sort of like, hey, they move here and pop up and bite and go away and move here and pop up. So I, I did all sorts of stuff like if it went underneath you, the ground sort of collapsing because it's making a tunnel. So you had to like make reflex saves or you'd be knocked prone and in the ditch. And I did all sorts of stuff to sort of like circumvent uh, their maneuvering and positioning. Uh with that fight in particular. So I, I end up trying to trying to make it more interesting. They end up just slaughtering the worm anyways with barely any damage, but, uh, they at least felt like they were in more danger than they were. I think, uh, at least one kit, one player told me that. So that's, that's another Avenue to explore is <laughs> sort of like, Hey, you know, like how can, how can we make the, the, the battle, sort of not favor the players at the same time. And I'm sure that a lot of people have heard about the famous story about the kobolds killing that super high-level party just because they were behind shields with spears and <laughs> in a tunnel. I actually haven't. Is that There's a there's a there's a pretty famous story of like I don't know the actual level of the characters, but like kobolds were just like one-hit shot, like one shots for them. Um like it was just like not uh, not a problem for them, but so they went rushing into this cave with a bunch of kobolds. They're like, yeah, we're gonna murder them all, but then they got trapped in a room, uh, and then like that room's only exit was like full of kobolds standing behind shields with spears. Um, and there's a there's an actual name for this this scenario. It's like tensors kobolds or something like that. I can't remember. Tensors, oh, there's a whole name for the strategy, is. like the, the, the freaking yes, Kobayashi Maru this... <laughs> Star Trek. Right, there, there is. Yes, there is. Uh, I just don't remember the name of it. Um, but yeah, basically it was the situation was high-level party just died because they didn't think about the situation with the kobolds and they were getting pelted from arrows and there was literally nothing they could do. They could not break the kobolds' uh, shield wall. Do you, um, do you not have so fireball? I don't know if they did or not. Like it, I, I don't know. It was just like a, a, a like a famous situation that that, <laughs> that happened. I feel like they need uh, just like one like, AOE spellcaster. They'd be a okay. And they might have, and he might have been disabled for some reason. I I don't know. I cast like I, I don't I don't remember it exactly, but basically you shouldn't underestimate encounter design because you can you know like as a player you can still die like that's still supposed to be a reality because even though you might be like level 15 a level one goblin is still supposed to be feasibly in the world lethal it's just like you're experienced enough to know how to deal with it right you know if you act and if you act stupid you should actually like if you're not taking the goblin seriously or, or whatever i mean obviously that's a bad example but it's kind of like that where <laughs> everything is still supposed to be somewhat dangerous thus it has a challenge rating so there you go <laughs> um but yeah so uh what uh for me D wise like i said i i 
I'm still playing. I'm still DMing. Um, not much has been going on there. Um, like I, we just finished uh, Thursday. We just finished the, or no, we started the Legend of Zelda dungeon, um, and that has been going okay. We're not very far into it. Um, <laughs> I will say it's kind of linear right now, but we're not. Again, we're not very far into it. This um, is the uh, campaign you've taken up in uh, protest of there being no virtual console on the Switch, right? <laughs> well, I mean, there is a virtual console of NES games. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, it's it's been, it's been fun. Like, we did a Star Fox dungeon where we actually flew in our rings and fought Andros. Um, that was fun. Uh, like, all sorts of crazy stuff. Like, I, I talked about this already once, but we did a Pokemon dungeon... And all the other player members were my Pokemon. It was sort of selected at ran- random. And uh, this kid, like, you know, like, kid from Pokemon challenged me to a duel. So I stabbed him in the throat and killed him. And, like, my, everyone was laughing because it was supposed to be a Pokemon duel. But, I mean, Nil is stupid and doesn't understand. And he just thought someone was challenging him to a duel. So he killed him. We'll, we'll get to it later, <laughs> but... Uh... That would make all Pokemon games dramatically better. <laughs> if you could just get right. Shadow of Mordor so, and Merc people. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that it's been kind of fun. Um, but one thing I did want to mention is um, I was actually part of a dice exchange for D&D Behind the Screen on Reddit. Um, this is the place I put my articles out on um, for my ecologies. Uh, so we just, you know, the, the mods decided to do a dice exchange, so I uh, wanted to take part. Um, so I received a set of die uh, that are st- not steel, but they are some kind of metal, and they are really freaking awesome. I do not want to know how expensive they were, um, but they're from a place called Die Hard Dice, uh, and it's just like they're really fun. Like they're fun to roll. Like I'll constantly roll them because they feel good. Um, they are metal though. It makes my hands smell like metal, which I don't like. But <laughs> um, they're re- like really cool design and stuff. Um, so in exchange, you know, I had to send it off to another person. So I sent my dice off a couple a couple of sets because I didn't actually have a full set of one. Like I actually have like one or two pieces like missing of various sets. So I ended up sending them two partial sets and told the backstory of like, hey, what did these dice do? Uh, one of them uh, is these clear blue, just plastic, they're all Chessex like plastic die. Um, the clear blue ones are the set of die that I used for uh, a character that was my only character that got from first level to max level. Uh, and this was a wizard named Thalder. He was an Eldrin from uh, for a fourth edition D and D. And if you're un- unfamiliar, Eldrin and elves together are what we know as elves. In fourth edition, they split them up. So the sort of uh, nature, fae, and like you know, wood children side of elves, what or wood elves essentially was what the elves were. And Eldrin kind of became this sort of like. Uh, mystical, like really adept magic users, highly intelligent side of elves uh, was the Eldrin. Didn't so the Eldrin have like the seasonal themes to them? Yeah, they do now. Uh, in fourth edition, they were just a standard race. Oh, okay, okay. At the time, um, so I had an, an Eldrin wizard. It was actually really fun to play, um, and his. I used one set of dice for him, and I can't find a couple of them, but I send them off to the next person and I send off my dice. I used to DM for many years to that person also, but both of them are missing like one or two die. So I just sent both sets. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been doing with D and D. I actually, what about you, Haru? actually also had played a fighter this past week. Oh yeah. For the first time. And I really liked it. Uh, even though it's kind of simple, uh, you know, at the lower levels, starting off. Uh, yeah, the first game I didn't even have action surge yet, so I was literally just like, hit thing one turn, hit thing two turn. Um, 
but yeah, I was playing a, a half orc, so they get the they get that like come back up from death ability, and they can roll an extra damage die and critical hits. Mm-hmm. And I'm I kind of min max that because I'm I'm going for the champion archetype, which increases the range for your critical hits on a d20 roll. Oh, yeah. And yeah, character-wise, I made her. I want to play a girl because kind of playing against type for the buff sorty man. Sure. And yeah, she basically made her like a arctic orc who's got like mottled blue and white uh, skin. And okay, you know, just kind of buff person <laughs> like <laughs> like a uh, buff woman. Like a really built, fit, physically fit, like seven foot tall, sixteen year old orc, which is like I don't know, twenty in <laughs> orc years. Um, yeah, and just mechanically, I'm looking forward to specking out the different feats, like great weapon master, um, so I can like take more more attacks uh, when I critical hit. Because I was working on average average uh, damage for critical hits, and it's right. really great if you get to roll two extra dice um, on a critical hit because you because uh, you're just doing another attack, and even that can crit. And oh my god, the power ceiling—it's too much. <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Like I I like to play melee characters myself. I think barbarian is uh probably one of my more favorite classes. Um uh, even though they are in quotation simple, there's like a lot of things you can do to sort of like build flavor out of them. If that makes sense. Like you're, you're trying to do, you know, the critical stuff and that kind of stuff and I like to sort of uh focus on a weapon per se. Um for instance, uh, I have uh, I had a paladin that focused on a flail, so that was fun. <laughs> and it was like a, an unusual weapon for a paladin because it's like you know it's in case you're unaware, flail is like a stick, a chain, and a ball at the end of the chain. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's an unusual weapon, but. I don't know. That's kind of how I, I build those kind of things. But yeah, I've definitely it's cool that you got built this character around uh, like a two handed weapon. Um, right. Because the, the the great weapon fighting, uh, I think it. I've read online. It just seems like it works really well for the great sword because you get to reroll ones and twos, and the great sword is just two d sixes. Yeah, yeah. That can that can add up. That can really add up. Ooh. Especially if you get some crits in, then you're doing four d six. Uh yeah, and I get even get like five d six because of the because uh, the orc racial. The extra crit, yeah. Wow, yeah, it's amazing. Okay, anyway, I'm just cool. I'm just excited for big damage. Uh, I think we're doing Curse of Strahd in that campaign, and we're just getting into the spooky parts. Oh, okay. You're gonna cleave a vampire in half. <laughs> yeah, I had to get my sword silvered because immediately we were fighting a a werewolf. But yeah, that's about what I've been doing in the Forgotten okay. Realms. R- Forgotten Realms, Drayhawk, you know, whichever one we're in today. <laughs> Whatever D and D setting. Um you you probably do mostly to play in Forgotten Realms, right? Uh yes. I think I have two Forgotten Realms campaigns, one that's just like homebrew. Okay. I always do homebrew personally when I when I DM. Uh the one I'm playing in is also homebrew. Spoilers, uh my brother is the DM, so he's actually purposely put it in my world. And we're actually tying the DM campaign I'm doing in with the one I'm playing in, like lore wise. Um, but that's yet to come up because the events of what we're playing in now, like the end, the end game is supposed to, 
uh, be the kickoff for what has started the, the thing, the events in my campaign. Um, so we're kind of predicting the outcome a little bit. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah. <laughs> um, so one thing I wanted to mention real quick, um, I talk about Magic the Gathering a bit on here. I play Commander, I'm in a league, I'm doing okay. You know, I, I like playing in the league and that kind of stuff. But uh, I had a close friend, uh, Jacob, who actually was the contest winner to be a guest appearance on the Command Zones um, like show um, where they, they play Commander. I think it's called Game Nights. And, uh, yeah, his episode did, like, he went really well. Um, he missed my birthday party to do the recording, so I'm glad it went well. I also had to get on him about that. No, <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. If you guys uh, watch the Command Zone, uh, or if you don't, like, I suggest checking it out. It's a really good game. Um, but... Uh, if you're not into watching magic, it's just really cool that my friend was on that show and it was really fun and I made me want to play against him. So we're going to, I'm going to be heading there Friday night to play against them because <laughs> it was like, Oh no, I, I, I got the itch to play with them again. So I kind of have to, but yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say on that. Um, I think the last thing we have to talk about uh really is just the pokemon uh stuff unless you had anything else uh yeah just quickly uh i'd played through the devil may cry demo and oh yes sorry i missed that yeah uh, this is completely uh new information to you but it has a pretty satisfying melee combat uh feel to it you it's, it's very polished and it like there's a lot of like environmental like you're kicking things around in the city this kind of in these streets, kind of cluttered streets, and you can like even beat up cars and like juggle enemies against cars. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the episodes we we lost, we talked about like what if they had just ported um, the Street Fighter Two like beat up a car mechanics into Devil May Cry because it's the same company. Shared shared, shared code base <laughs> like, with the NES. Shared code base. Shared sh- shared code base from 1993. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> Seems legit. Uh, <laughs> We know how to do this already. Just, just, just put it in. Just put it in. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like so far I haven't unlocked many combo stages, so I just have like a simple four-stage combo, then like an aerial one, and then you can combo in the gun or for when you're because you're playing Nero in the demo, so you have the uh, robot fist that has different abilities like a dodge or like a CC or crowd control uh, auto combo punch, auto auto punch. Mm-hmm. The auto punch, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the enemies so far are basically just like a grunt type and a type with like a scythe. So, I guess the enemy design isn't okay. isn't too much too far. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. The one thing I will say is that on the boss fight, who's this like giant, like huge ogre guy with a mouth in his belly, you can like shove rubble in and like shoot a big red laser um the lock-on was kind of tripping me up in that fight uh and i didn't know how to like um just like aerially navigate around the boss and how to like dodge his attacks because there's no like dodge button uh necessarily so so yeah uh the only concern so far is like the lock-on I'm just not someone who's usually attuned to lock on in games, so, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm just excited for that game, because of all the things they showed in the trailers, they've, there's, they've shown at least, like, eight weapons or something across the different characters. Apparently, apparently, also, they have something they're calling a cameo system, which I think is, like, some journey-type multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So you can show up in other people's hmm. games at certain parts of the story. That's weird. Yeah, it's they haven't emphasized it too much in the marketing. Why though? <laughs> like it was they had a purpose in Journey, right? Because it's sort of like a, how do you communicate with such, you know, like just sort of exploration. But like, 
Devil May Cry, I mean, you're kind of focused on beating things up. Maybe it's like, hey, here, here, you could see other people, but we really know you just want to beat up the demons. So let's just do that. <laughs> I mean, like, if there's an invite system, I think that'd be great. Like, if you could play levels, like, you know, like Halo matchmaking for the campaign, that'd be awesome because sure, it's there's few melee action games outside of Monster Hunter that you can really play in multiplayer. Very few. Really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just randos. Uh, I think it's because of the conceit, because they have the three main characters, the three boys, which is Dante, mm-hmm. Nero, and uh, Punk Rock Man, who turns his hair white. Also, just 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 <laughs> so, just so all the protagonists look vaguely similar. Just another slap in the face of DMC. <laughs> oh yeah the black hair yeah I don't even <laughs> okay well uh, like I said I've I've never played Devil May Cry but that might change soon wink so moving on <laughs> we have the announcements of Pokemon 8 and Pokemon Gavna <laughs> A and Gov- sword and shield which one is that how it is, is A is sword and Governor it's set in England. Who, who thunk it? <laughs> I don't know. Sword and Shield makes sense for me in England. Yeah. Of course, I'm... I don't know. Um, yeah. So I watched this live. Or not live. Uh, close to live. I watched it like right after it ended on a YouTube video. Right. I think I caught up to it and just as it was going live. Um, now a little bit of backstory with me and Pokemon. I used to be huge into it, but then I found Monster Hunter and left Pokemon to die in in my brain. Um, but I always go back to it, uh, with most main series games. Spoilers, it's exactly the same. Right. Yeah. They they just, I was not very excited because I felt like they were going to do something more with it. I don't know why I thought maybe because it was coming to the switch. It's like the first, like, quotations console release of a mainline series right it could be so, just like monster in our world pokemon how crazy would that be right i mean they could have done something new like they could have maybe said hey and remember all those features everyone loves from pokemon go they're here too like just something but they don't and i don't care about the starters which is uh tr- traditionally i like the grass starters i really don't like Goopy, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, so, so there's very sparse information out on in the game yet, really. All they showed right. was some of the new graphics, which are really the old 3DS graphics, because they haven't changed the engine at all. Uh, it's just like 1080p or whatever. Um, and they showed the three starters, uh, and then they showed the Galar region, which has the... It's England, it's a riff on England, but it has the whole... Uh, uh, the whole like fantasy Pokemon, you, you go to forests, grasslands, uh, Arctic tundra, caves, mountains, yada yada. Mm-hmm. So Fortran, when you think of <laughs> when you think of the UK, what animals do you think of? Rats. Mm-hmm. Rats, because of London. That's it. Well, maybe deer. viewers at home, if you didn't guess monkeys, hares, and uh, and lizards, you were all wrong. I could see the, the, the hair. Well, yep, but all the other <laughs> the other ones are there too. So they've got the. I, I mean, you probably Gra- grass have seen them by now, but yeah. yeah, they have the grass monkey, Grookey. Uh, Grookey, there you go. The firefighting type. Score bunny. Uh, in training, score bunny. <laughs> and Sobble, which is a scare, not a a scared grass Pokemon. <laughs> I really, uh, I really want to just, like, I, I, I want to see a starter that isn't those three, or, like, 
they've been you know doing like this mix match for a long time you know like uh all firefighting you know like a lot of the time but it's stuff like that i kind of was hoping against all hope that we would see something like other types for starters like other main types like you know like ground and that kind of stuff or you know just something different but that didn't happen and we didn't have any other like mechanics per se happen and so like my brother's excited for it so i'm gonna get shield he's gonna get sword and i'm gonna play as bug trainer cham yay like i do with all the new main games you sound like a broken man when you talk about that you sound i mean defeated. it's like the only fun thing left for me to do in pokemon is literally role play as the crappiest trainers in the in the world and trying to just role play like straight up just role play like no i only catch bug pokemon and like i will release all other pokemon or trade them away like it's just all bugs mm. i'm just a bug trainer um yeah there's not a lot to go on I will say that I think the monkey looks badly designed. <laughs> just it looks weird. It's just like puke green, like, and there's like nothing particular. It's it's not like a grass type. It's just like a green monkey, which like, once <laughs> again, uh, uh, keen-eyed viewers will note is not a plant. Monkeys are not plants. They're they're mammals. Right. Anyway. So, yeah, I don't... But, I mean, like, Bulbasaur was, like, a plant hybrid thing. And then, yeah, I don't know. I know, but it's right there in the name, Bulb. It's got a plant part. It's true. Chikorita was, like, a tree dinosaur. Right. Like, all, she turned all sorts into of, a, like... a brontosaurus thing. Yeah, essentially. So like, and just like, here's a monkey. I'm like, damn it, why? Why a monkey? Like, what? What is grass about a monkey? Like, they don't even try to make it look like something. And of course, it's like tapping a stone with a stick. And I'm like, okay, is that supposed to mean something? Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's one of its moves. One of my favorite uh, tempo or something. Like, one of my favorite Pokemon was the grass starter uh, Turtwig because it's evolutionary long oh, yeah. it was a turtle but it had the whole concept of the world turtle from like things like Native American mythologies so it started like yes. this whole bo- it like started with a, a, a little uh, sprout on its head and the second evolution had a bush and the third evolution had a tree and like some rocks and it was a ground type it's great And that was a nice yeah. diversion, because grass Pokemon usually think, like, uh, quick, agile, uh, uh, lightweight, because, you know, plants aren't too heavy. But anyway, right. there's not a lot to talk about with this game. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I did, I know I'm glad we got to talk about it, though, because, like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, i just so unexcited for this and they made such a big deal about it and it we were waiting for it on the switch and like i just i'm just like uh why i just like why should i have expected anything different and just bonk <laughs> head on the table it, it <laughs> just, feels i give up it feels bad because like this game is virtually guaranteed to sell eight million or more copies right Right, even though I'm disappointed, I am still buying a copy. Well, not even, I know I'm part of the problem. Not even that. Like, I think if you take the whole audience who listens to game podcasts and listens to IGN and goes on Reddit or whatever, Giant Bomb, whatever, what have you, that's, doesn't, that's not enough people to uh, buy 8 million copies of a friggin' Pokemon game. So I don't think it matters who this really reaches the general audience might not even know about this game yet. They'll just see it in stores later. Um, Maybe. Yeah, you you have a point there. So what they usually do with Pokemon games is actually past trailers. Some some initial trailers have given no inform notice uh, distinguishing information 
Like, I think for Sun and Moon, they literally just showed, like, the box art and the cover legendary Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, a short, like, CG animation or something. Like, basically nothing. Um, yeah. So, so what they do, mm-hmm. is, what my point is that they roll out, they reveal more Pokemon throughout the year until they've basically shown all of them. Right. Yeah. Which, yeah. I kind of want to not know, so I can try to go into it blind. I, I did that pretty well with Sun and Moon. Um, although I didn't really like Sun and Moon's, like, here's these weird, like, not Pokemon Pokemon that you have to go to the oh, special world. Oh, yeah. Like, the, uh, that, the UFO Pokemon. Uh, yeah, I yeah, just, I don't, I don't want to do that again. Like, that was kudos for them trying something new not good <laughs> like <laughs> i'm just not gonna do that but yeah yeah they were just well, weird that, and geometric um, the, the ultra beasts were yeah the ultra beasts there you go and it was like a mosquito buff man oh like, god what oh why like <laughs> that, that one was unnerving yeah to say the least <laughs> i mean that's that's a good point because like sun and moon it's like hawaii pokemon it seems like the most bland concept in the world but they might pull something weird like that. Like, not something that actually changes the game in a fundamental way, but just some odd corners of it. Uh, sure. Like, maybe have something else up their sleeve about this game. Okay. I hope it's at least, like, one new thing. Because the past, yeah. past couple of generations, what was it? Sixth generation had the Mega Evolutions, which is basically just new skins and stats. And then... The latest generation was, like, the Z-Move animations, which I imagine they'll keep. Yeah, probably. But, yeah. Like, it'd be nice if they took some cues from Persona 5 or other popular turn-based games, but... Yeah, just the disappointing thing, I think, was they're not not only keeping the engine, they're keeping the literal models from Pokemon X and Y. Like, they haven't made new ones for things like Pikachu. And, like, some of the attacks okay. are, t- like, punch attacks. They don't animate the creature punching. It just kind of twitches a little bit. And they put a 2D decal of a fist on screen, and it moves forward, and it plays a sound effect. Which seems really lame to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it looked bad on the 3DS. Like, you gotta... It'll look bad in HD! <laughs> so I feel like... Like, Pokemon XD on the GameCube, it had, like, these nice particle effects. I'd like to see something like that back. Yeah. Like an overhaul, like, uh, like Monster Hunter yeah, Generations we'll got. For all of its effects. Right, yeah. Just sprucing things all up. All the sparkles. Anyway, early days. Who knows? Yep. Okay. Well, uh, that's it for me. Do you have anything else, Haru? Oh, I think we're wrapping up. Okay, so we'll wrap it up then. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is Fortuan. You can catch me at HuntersHubPod on Twitter. Um, be sure to listen to SideQuest. Uh, we'll be doing Dragon's Crown. Um, we're going to be recording that very soon. Um, so tune in. Uh, you'll see the video drop as soon as, you know, ver video. <laughs> uh, audio drop as soon as we can with that one. Um but aside from that, I will see you guys next quest. And on that quest, where will I see you, Haro? Oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I'm on the Twitters at Akanesdagran. Oh. Okay. And what, and what a dead grand she is. <laughs> see you next quest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what a dead grand she is. <laughs> What is that from? I keep forgetting.